everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We're glad that you're with us online here at Generations Community Church. Uh, this is Palm Sunday, so it's a day of special celebration uh, together. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the palms. I hope the kids have uh, managed to get the palms uh, from in front of the church and you have some of those floating around your house uh, someplace. Uh, we're also going to do communion at the end of the service. Uh, so there's been some instructions that are out there about uh, maybe gathering up some uh, bread maybe and, and some juice in a, in a glass kind of a thing and uh, passing them out to each person. And then at the end of the service, uh, we'll take communion uh, together. Um, I'd, I know it's different doing it online. It's really not the preferred way. Uh, we would rather that we be gathered for that kind of a moment. But um, in the midst of a worldwide pam pandemic, uh, maybe we'll do what we can. We just uh, can't, can't see denying that. Uh, to people, the Lord's table in, in the midst of all of this. The Eucharist is just so, so uh, powerful. Well, th this Palm Sunday uh, is, is a Sunday that is a part of it is about patience. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, I always struggle with, with that. I am not a patient person. I know some of you are naturally patient, but I'm, I'm just not. I'm kind of a let's get her done kind of a, uh, a person by, by nature. And I've had to learn to be patient as I've gotten older. And, and in general, I kind of resent waiting. It's like, ah, I've got to wait longer. Uh, but I have discovered, especially this year, I think I've discovered, uh, that there is a certain kind of waiting that's actually good and in some ways kind of enjoyable. Uh, most of you know that my daughter is going to give birth to our, uh, our first grandchild here in probably less than a week is her due date. We'll see when the baby actually comes. And so for months now, we have been waiting for this, this child to come. And, and honestly, that kind of waiting has been a, a lot of fun as we've speculated about how big the baby is at this stage and that stage and you know, it's going to be a boy and a girl and then we kind of found out it's going to be a boy and then you know we kind of speculated about what the boy will be like and and you know we've kind of gotten down now to the last week and we're just we're just really excited Jody and I just walk around the house there's nobody in the house but Jody and I we're just like this all the time you know it's like because we're we're looking forward to meeting our, our first grandchild and so there, there's something powerful uh, about that for us this kind of waiting that is in one sense torture and in the other sense is is a wonderful sort of thing uh, for us and so um, this is what I know about Palm Sunday that I think really comes right out of that idea and that's this Palm Sunday is all about eager anticipation eager anticipation it's it's when you're looking forward to something and it's 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 gonna come but it's not yet and you're getting close and those sorts of things kids uh, think about you know like the last couple of days before uh, before Christmas when you can see the presents under the tree maybe and and you may be hoping you're going to get this and and you get excited about it and maybe you know if you open on Christmas Eve then uh, maybe that day is you know excitedly waiting or Christmas morning you, you get up and you're ready to go and because you've waited for a long time and you're looking forward uh, to what's going on and that's what Palm Sunday is uh, for Christians uh, and, and it's, it's an important part of it and, and part of what was going on was for, for Jews they, they had been waiting for a long time for the Messiah to come and there was a lot of what I call one day you know one day the Messiah is going to come one day uh, God will deliver us one day uh, he's going to break into our situation one day God is going to make everything right one day one day one day someday one day kind of conversations in Israel and, and they'd been waiting a long time one day he's going to deliver us from Rome. They were under the oppression of the Roman Empire at, at the time. One day, uh, everyone is going uh, to have a new life. One day, one day, one day. Um, but 
I know that in that waiting, it's much easier to endure suffering, in fact, if you know that one day it is going to be made better. I'm going to cough here. Um, and so uh, the, the good news uh, for Israel and for us is that uh, suffering doesn't get the final word. That's, that's what Israel was waiting for, the coming of the Messiah, that, that one day he, he would come and be a part of it. And, and the truth of the matter is we all have one days in our lives. We all have things that we think one day this is going to get better. One day I'm going to get done with school. One day I'm going to get the job I want. One day, you know, the, the, the disease will be over. One day, one day, one day. And, and we, even for Christians, we think, about heaven. One day we're going to see the people we love and who've gone before us. One day I'm going to see my dad again and my mom again and my sister again and, and my nieces and nephews that have kind of gone on. And one, one day there's just been a lot of loss. So one day we're going to see that again. And so um, this is what I kind of think of. One day is kind of shorthand for hope. That, that one day, that I, I have this hope. Uh, the Israelites had this hope that one day the, the Savior would come. They knew he was going to come sooner or later, but they didn't know what. But one day he, he would come. And so they kind of kind of lived in that. And so I, I want to talk about this one day kind of thing, this, this expectation. And so uh, we, could, we could read this story, but it, it's fairly short in Scripture. And I've decided instead this year I, I'd kind of like to just talk you through it. I'd like to tell you the story um, for the history uh, of Israel, and honestly, for most of Christianity, most people couldn't read, weren't literate. Uh, and so the, the stories of the Bible would be told to people. Uh, and, and people would turn on their imaginations and listen. And they didn't always get all the details exactly the same, but that wasn't the point. There was a point to the story, and that's what, what, what really mattered. And so uh, I, I think I can bring some cultural and historical context uh, to this story. So this morning, I want to invite you uh, to, to turn on your imaginations, uh, to, to imagine yourself back in ancient Israel uh, about the time of Jesus. Uh, it's a very different world. It's the Middle East. Um, different clothing, different smells, different ways of going about uh, doing things that are all a part of it. Uh, and in a very hard life. They lived a, a hard and difficult life uh, there. And so um, the first thing you kind of need to know about their situation to get, to get there uh, is this, that God had been silent for 400 years. There had been no prophet. There had been nobody that spoke for God. Uh, that, that nothing. God was just like, Mom, he just kind of ghosted them, you know? And it's like, where is God in, in all of this? And that would have left the people with anxiety. Has he abandoned us? What's going on with all of this? Um, you know, when is this Savior going to come? Why? What, did we do something wrong? Or, you know, what, what, what's the deal? Uh, and then one day, a guy by the name of John the Baptist shows up out in the desert, dressed funny, eating funny stuff, just kind of a real strange dude, and, and he is proclaiming the good news. He's proclaiming, get ready, Messiah is coming, get ready, the Messiah is going to be here. And, and here's the way he's described in Luke, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him, every valley shall be filled in and every mountain and hill made low, the crooked road shall be made straight and the rough spot smooth and all the people will see God's salvation. And so with John, who was, by the way, a cousin of Jesus, there's this beginning of a new expectation. There's a new prophet in the land, someone who speaks for God. Something's kind of going on here uh, in, in the midst of it. Um, and, and then, you know, they're, they're thinking that the Messiah is coming. Okay, we've got to look for this. And so there's an important thing you need to know uh, about this. Uh, and that was Messiah was supposed to come at Passover. The expectation is that the Messiah would reveal himself. The new king would show up on Passover, which was this 
this time when they, they celebrated their uh, coming out of Egypt and the, and the angel of death passed over them. So it's a really high, holy, important day. And so every Passover there was like, will this be the one? Maybe, maybe this is one where the Messiah shows up. Maybe the, the, this is the, the, the time. And, and so in Jerusalem at Passover, there would have been huge crowds, gigantic sort of thing. And they would have kind of been so, shoulder to shoulder. It just would have been packed. They didn't practice social distancing uh, at, at all back, back then. And, and in the midst of all of that, the rumors would get started. Things would get passed around. They were seeing old friends they hadn't seen for a while. They were, you know, that sort of thing. And so you can imagine that, that there had been kind of rumors in the years past about John. And then Jesus kind of shows up on the scene. There's this new prophet. And, and that's what they thought of Jesus as was a prophet. And, and, and have you heard about the new prophet, Jesus? You know, he's doing all kinds of stuff, even way more than John. He, you know, he, he's doing things like healing people. My, my, my uncle, he, he says that he, he went out to hear Jesus one day and Jesus fed like thousands of them and, and he just all this food everywhere. Who can do that? Only a prophet of God can do that. And, and, and then the other guy would say to him, hey, you know what? My, my sister-in-law, she knew someone who, 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 who saw him make a, a cripple stand up and walk and dance. And who can do that? Only God can do that kind of stuff. And, and so the rumors would start to flow around. Is, is this the Messiah that's coming? Is this who John was talking about? You know, and, and, and we don't know exactly how it got started, but we can kind of speculate on this. And, and, and so pretty soon, you, the rumor began to pass around Jerusalem that, that Jesus was coming that he's going he's gonna to show up and, and he's coming into town and he's kind of doing it in a way that makes it look like maybe he's a king. He's, he's riding on a donkey and, and that was a fulfillment of prophecy and it was the way new kings would come in when they, they came to a, a new city that they would come in with this procession and they would ride a horse or a donkey depending on what's, what's going on. And, and so here, here dads, here's a way I think you can help your kids get this because normally on, on Palm Sunday we have this kind of procession with a pony around the church and the kids and they sing and it's so wonderful and I, I really miss that some of you have commented on our lobby page that that's your favorite part of of Palm Sunday so here's what, what I think and I apologize dads I'm going to throw you under the bus but for you small children maybe dad could be the donkey and you guys can kind of get on dad and, and ride him around and you can you can take your things and you can wave them and you can go Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the king of in the in the name of the Lord and you can take turns being Jesus and take turns being the crowd sorry dad dad. <laughs> um, but it'd be a fun thing to do. But th that, that was what was uh, happening. He was going to come uh, at, at Passover. Uh, and so they began to, to spread the rumors that, that Jesus was coming and that he was uh, behaving like a, a, a king. Um, and so you can imagine people begin to say, could this be it? You think maybe this is it? We can't miss this. If this is it, if this is the arrival of Messiah and the king of the Jews, we, we have got to see this. It's so important. This would be the most important thing to happen in their lifetime. And in fact, in the whole history uh, of Israel, and they would think the most important thing that would ever happen in their entire lives. And so you can just imagine that like shop owners start closing down their shops, you know, and, and they're saying to their oldest son who's working with them, go home, get, get mom and, and tell her to get the kids together and, and, and packed up. Oh yeah. And run over and tell your uncle and your aunt to, to come and, and get grandma to come. Just get, get the whole extended family. We have to go see this, this Jesus guy. He's, he's coming into town and it sounds like he might be the, the Messiah. The king is entering the city and, and they, they would have been putting kids on their shoulders and, and traveling kind of in big family units and 
You can imagine, you know, that, that uh, uh, they're carrying babies and that older brother or sister has to hold on to little brother or sister's hands because, again, it's packed and we don't want to lose them in the midst of uh, all of this. And, and you, can just, you can just see dad talking to the oldest son. Matthew, help your grandma. Watch out for grandpa. Make sure they're okay in all of this. And, and one of the other kids saying, hurry up, mom. We're going to miss it. Hurry up. Hurry up. We're going to see the king. We're going to go see the king, you know. And so there was just this wonderful excitement. And, and the reason for that was that, that Palm Sunday kind of represents this idea that God is about to do a new thing. That after all of the centuries of suffering and all of the struggle and all of the persecution, I'm going to cough, excuse me, that now God is here and he's going to do a new thing. The king is coming. Don't miss it. Uh, and this was, this was how conquering kings came in and they had to see it. And so they begin to gather up the, the palm branches and, and, uh, and cut them down from trees and, and around th that area. And I know that seems a little strange for us, although it's a nice thing to kind of play with uh, during Palm Sunday. Uh, but, but here's why that was important. In the ancient world, a palm branch has symbolized victory, triumph, peace, and eternal life. So they were, they were a symbol in the same sense that a flag is a symbol today. If you wave the American flag, the, you, you know, people assume you're an American uh, in that. And so um, they, they gathered these up because they wanted to wave them. Uh, and, and when a, a new king would come into town and maybe conquered an old bad king that had treated the people bad, and, and this new king who was, had a reputation for being a great king and treating the people well, and, and the people would gather to welcome him. The king would come in on a horse or a donkey or some sort of, uh, of mount, and, and they would wave the palm branches. And, and what they're saying is, we're celebrating your victory. We're, we're with you. We want to we be a part of, uh, of what you're doing that. We're, we're for you through all of this. So it was a way of participating in the event itself. And uh, in fact, there's a really interesting sort of thing uh, about this in that in the book of Revelation, it actually records that when we get to heaven, we're going to do that. I bet you you didn't know this, that, that we're going to actually wave uh, palm branches. Let me uh, read to you uh, the passage. Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, this is John speaking, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Can you imagine that? One day, you're going to have a palm branch, so you better, you know, get your palm branching, waving uh, kind of practiced up to, uh, while you're here. We wouldn't want to embarrass ourselves and all of that. And so as, as, uh, as they're doing this, they're beginning to do some things. You, you can imagine the, the, the conflict that's going on in, in families as, as people, you know, kids are saying, it's not fair, I want to be up there. And you kind of, all, all that normal stuff would have been, I mean, how would your kids have behaved in a big crowd and you can't see over and that part? And so people started doing something really interesting. They, they began to take off their cloaks, their outer garment, uh, and, and, and lay it in the path where, where Jesus would be coming. There's a, a path probably outside the city at this point. And, and, and they began to lay it there. Uh, and and that's, that's kind of strange for us. But here's what you need to know in that. In the, in the ancient world, important people didn't get their feet dirty. 
So dirty feet was kind of a, a big deal, you might guess, in a culture like that. In fact, this had to do with social rank. So at the very bottom of society was slaves, and they didn't have shoes. So they, their feet were just like dirty all the time. That's the bottom of society. And then when you, you went up, then, then the farther you went up, the, the more important this became. So that the foot washing was a, was a part of the process, and the lowest slave had to do the foot washing because you had to have people's feet clean. And there's some interesting sorts of passages about this. One of them that most people miss is... Um, a passage where Jesus uh, is reclining at, at dinner and uh, what they call a sinful woman, which is probably a woman who was involved in sexual immorality. But back in those days, they really, if, if a woman didn't have family, she didn't have any other choice, so it's not quite the same thing. Um, and and, and he, she comes and she anoints his feet with perfume and she cries and she wipes, wipes his feet. She cleans his feet with her tears and, and her hair. And it's really kind of a touching moment of, of, of bowing at Jesus' feet. And, and of course, the religious leaders get on her and Jesus uh, defends her and says, you know, this, this is an important thing she's uh, doing. And so, so if you were far enough up, not only would you get to wear shoes, but riding on an animal kept your feet off the ground. And on special occasions, then, then they might even, uh, your mount might even, and not want to touch their, their feet to the ground. So, so that they're, they're putting the cloaks on so that the donkey's feet don't even have to touch the ground. And after a while, they, they kind of run out of, of all the, the palm branches and all of that. And, and, and so they begin to, uh, are out of the cloaks, and so they begin to uh, put the palm branches down in, in that same place, again, just so they could keep it. And, and it's just a way of saying how important Jesus was. He's, he's the king. He's so important. We have the palm branches to greet him. We want to be a part of the victory. And we're, we're they're, they're literally treating him uh, like royalty, like Messiah, like the Savior uh, in, in all of this. And, and somewhere in all of this, I, I don't know how it happened, but, but I have this imagination. I can imagine they're kind of all working on that, getting it ready all up and down uh, the trail. There's just all of Jerusalem is, is out there. And, and at some point, uh, a little kid up on shoulders looks down the trail and says, I can see them. They're coming. They're coming. Uh, and you can imagine everybody kind of turns and, and, and looks at that. And, as, as the parade is coming, and, and the Apostle Mark records that there was a crowd in front of him, kind of leading him, and then there was a crowd behind him uh, that was following as well. And they don't give us a lot of details about who was in that crowd, but, but you can imagine that the people that would show up for that are the people whose lives Christ had changed in some sort of way. It, it probably was the people who had experienced miracles or had experienced a touch from him or acceptance from him. And so I, I don't know, but I imagine at the front of the crowd would be the people who were cripples and, and Jesus had made to walk and to dance again. And I, I just imagine that it's such a celebratory moment that, that they're literally dancing and jumping and spinning and, and they're excited and the king is coming and Messiah is here and all of those sorts of things. Maybe somebody was playing some music that was going along uh, with all of that. That would have been pretty common in their culture. And, and, and then behind them would have been the people that are kind of leading the donkey. And, and I, I just imagine that it would have been one of the people who were blind that Jesus had made to see again. Because in order to lead a donkey, you've got to kind of see where you're going. And, and, and they would have been going, look at me, man. I, I got it. I'm leading the donkey here. I can go down the trail. Everybody's safe because I was blind. And now I see. Jesus was in the business of changing lives. I, I don't know, maybe beside him with some of those women that society had rejected, who had been caught in, in sinful acts. Maybe, maybe the very woman who had, had washed Jesus' feet with his hair was, was right next to him, and Jesus was saying, these are my people. They're, they're, with, they're with me. 
Anyone who wanted to touch Jesus kind of had to reach past them. Don't you think that's the way Jesus would have put a crowd together in there? Maybe, maybe behind them was, was a group of, of former lepers who, who, when they were lepers, they had to ring a bell and say, unclean, unclean, and make everybody uh, get, get away from them. And, and Jesus touched them and made them whole and, and made them clean, and their life is forever changed. I, I think they went out and got free T-shirts that said free hugs. You know, and they're just like hugging each other and hugging everybody because for so much of their life they've never been touched and can never touch anybody. Maybe the tax collectors are after them and they're looking for people that they cheated because they want to give them back the money. And, and I, I think coming up last of all was Lazarus who had been dead and was alive. That was kind of the miracle that really got it going because people had known Lazarus and, and there he is in the flesh. People knew, people had been at his funeral and, and there's Lazarus and by this time it's like, oh my goodness, he can raise the dead. This has to be Messiah. This is the king. And, and, and I, I tell you this year that that processional is, is newly powerful for me. Uh, because in the last year, you, most of you know, I faced a, a very deadly disease and God healed me. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not much of a dancer, but if I'd been there, I'd have been dancing in, in the midst of that whole thing and celebrating what God has done because God, God heals. Our God heals. He heals me. He heals you. He does it in so many different ways. And, and I've said this again and again and again, but everywhere Jesus went, he made people's lives better. And that was a part of this celebration. And then, then in that, sometime, at some point, somebody gets that. They begin to go. Maybe it was when they saw Lazarus. I don't know. Maybe somebody put it together. And somebody probably whispered, Hosanna, because that would have been the natural expression out of that. It gets louder. Hosanna. Yeah, Hosanna. Hey, Hosanna to the king. And the crowd picks it up and, and pretty soon they're, they're shouting is what it's doing. It's kind of like a giant, you know, event in, in you know, a stadium somewhere. And, and it's in rhythm to, together. In fact, I want to read you the passage because uh, this is kind of our, our Bible passage this morning. It's in Matthew uh, chapter 21. Uh, and, it, and it says to this, say to the da daughter, say to daughter Zion, that's Israel, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They got the donkey for him. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the ground. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Let's say that together. I know it's a little uncomfortable, but let, let's say that together. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Uh, and that's what the crowd would have been saying. And there's some interesting sort of things. Hosanna is a great word. We should use that more in worship. But it has a really important meaning, and that is this. Hosanna means save us. And so when they said, Hosanna, they, they were saying, King, save us. Save us from Rome. Save us from uh, persecution. Save us from suffering. Save us in, in every way that you can. The word there for save just is, is, is a giant kind of a idea there. And, and, and I want you to know, whatever's going on in your life today, the message of Palm Sunday is God can save you. Maybe he saves you in the midst of it. Maybe he saves you from it. But God can save you you. He can save your eternal soul. He can save your situation. He can save your marriage. There's, God is a God who saves. Our God saves. Hosanna. Say Hosanna. 
Okay? The, the second word in there that's really important is it said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the word blessed in there has the same root as the word grace. I, I think that's so cool that, that to be blessed is to experience grace. And when you are blessed, you are graced. And, and, and so the, the grace is, is the, the king who has come, who is not the, the king that, that, that condemns and, and judges and, and persecutes. But our king is a king who is full of grace and mercy and, and love and, and, and forgiveness. That's, that's our king. That, that we can come to him not because we are worthy, but because he loves us. That, that he blesses us. That he is the blessed king that, that extends grace to us. And, and I just to kind of wrap that, I, if I could put that in a way that, that at least works for me, this is the way I think about it. Palm Sunday is the first light of a new hope. The, the old hope hadn't worked so good. They'd been given the law and here's where you kind of do this and, and you got to do this and don't do that and, and be a part of this. And, and, and it didn't work. People couldn't do it. They couldn't keep up with it. Some pretended they could, but nobody could. Nobody could be good enough and, and nobody could, could get it all done. And, and the people were living and, and suffering. And so the new hope has come that is in Christ Jesus. The hope that, that had been promised from the very beginning when, when humanity fell. He, God said that there would be a new hope that the Messiah would come and, and he's arrived in this. It's, it's a hope grounded in love, not grounded in rules. It, it's a hope that, that is dependent upon God's actions, not our actions. Thank the Lord because our actions aren't always all that they should be, but, but God's are. It's, it's about his doing and his love for us. And we should, we should be dancing in the aisles right there just with that reality. In fact, I, I think that, that Palm Sunday is a giant holy party time, a celebration. I, I know holy party makes people uncomfortable sometimes. And by party, I don't mean debauchery, but I mean celebration, but party's a better word for us. Say, say holy party, holy party. And, and we're going to party again next Sunday on, on Easter. And so it's a celebration of King Jesus. It's a celebration of hope. It's a celebration of new life. It's a celebration of what is to come. It's a celebration full of promise. It's a celebration of the old going away. You know, sometimes we want to celebrate the old. I was happy to see 2019 go because that was the year of cancer for me. Now, 2020 has kind of gotten off to a rough start too. And we'll probably all be glad to see this one go as well. But, but it's a celebration. And, and this is what I think Palm Sunday is like the twilight, you know, um, before the dawn. When I, was, when I was a kid, I used to camp in the Olympic National Mountains a fair amount. Uh, and I love to go out and backpack and that kind of thing. Uh, but, but in the Pacific Northwest, there, there's cloud cover, so it's very dark. And then you get out in the trees, and you got these tall trees with cover, and it's like really, really dark in the middle of the night. You just, it's horrible. Uh, and so it was always fun. I kind of wake up early to see the twilight, to see the light just begin to dawn, you know. And it'd get a little brighter and a little brighter, and you could start to see things. It's not quite all there yet, but you can kind of see it. And Palm Sunday is that. It's, this is the twilight. We can see that the light is coming. We can see that the Savior is coming for the children of Israel. It's the beginning. We're not at Easter yet where the full sun comes out, but, but we're in this twilight of expectation. Death and darkness will no longer have a grip over it. You can see the, the grip of the dark retreating from all of this. And, and so it's let the, let the party begin. Let, let us celebrate. We should be a party people. We more than anyone else have reason to celebrate. Amen? We, we really, really do, and we should never let go of that. But of course, there's always somebody in the crowd that, that thinks that they have to kind of bring everybody back to earth, you know, somebody that just kind of sucks the life out of things. Don't mention any names. We all know people like that. 
And in this particular case, it was the religious leaders. I, I hate that it's always the religious leaders. It's people like me that were doing that. And the religious leaders were offended by the crowd that was saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because they really got it. They said, oh, you think he's the Messiah? You think he's the king? And so they said to Jesus, make, make them stop. Don't, don't let them do this. And, and Jesus said something extraordinary. He said to them that, that even if I couldn't make them stop, even the rocks would cry out. The, the very earth would cry out to celebrate what, what God has done. And, and so there's an important message in that that I, I want to get to. And that is this. Don't let anyone or anything steal your joy. Because your joy doesn't come from the circumstances. Your joy comes from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Messiah, the Savior of the world. The one filled with grace and mercy and kindness. And, and it's easy in this world to, to, to let that happen. You know, things go on in our lives. Uh, this coronavirus, it's easy to let the coronavirus steal our joy. I'm not saying don't take it serious, but don't let it, don't let it steal the joy that you have from God. Or, or your financial situation. I know some of you, you've been laid off and job situations or your business is kind of shut down or, or, or whatever. There's all kinds of those sorts of things. You're worried about that. I, I get that. But your salvation was never your job or your business. Your salvation has always been God. And those were gifts from him. And one day we're going to get through this on the other side of it. And, and, and those will be there again. Don't your health, some of us with our health, we lose our joy over our health. Our health is from, from the Lord. In fact, I'm persuaded that the devil will do anything he can to steal our joy, to rob us of the blessing of celebrating what God has done. And next Sunday, we're really going to celebrate uh, with evil. Uh, with, with, yeah, with evil. With, uh, with Easter. We're going to holy party. And so there's, there's one symbol that I think is really important for us in all of this. Uh, and, and that is what we call the Eucharist or communion sometimes. Uh, but I'd like to call it Eucharist more often. Some people say, oh, that's Catholic. Actually, Eucharist is a, a Greek word. Uh, and it means we give thanks. Say Eucharist, we give thanks. Yeah, um, and, and so I, I love that, that, that the symbolism here is of thanksgiving for what God has done. And it, it brings together what is ahead for us because in order to get to Easter, we have to go through Good Friday. And that's hard where Christ died and gave his life for our life and took the penalty of our sin. And, and yet on the other side of that is the resurrection that is represented in this. And so both his death and his resurrection are represented in, in this moment as a part of this. And so uh, this, this would be a good time. Make sure everybody has uh, a, a piece of bread and make sure everybody has uh, a glass with, uh, with the juice in it. Uh, and we're going to celebrate together. I know this isn't ideal. We'd love to have everybody gathered together, but, but uh, th this is just too important to not, to not do. And so uh, we're going to celebrate the, the Lord's table uh, together in just a minute, and I'm going to uh, pray and ask God's blessing on this. Uh, and, and we're reminded that, that the broken body and the shed blood represent his death. But the meal represents the fact that one day we are going to a holy party. We are going to celebrate with a great meal uh, in heaven together. So bow your heads with me as we ask God's blessing and presence on these elements. Father God, we are so thankful for what you have done for us. We're thankful for Palm Sunday where we begin the party as to celebrating what you have done in Jesus Christ, Father. And Lord, I, I just pray, Father, that you would give us a deep sense of joy. Remind us that, that we have reason to celebrate, that we are the people who should sing Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we are so thankful, Father, that one day we will celebrate this meal together with you in heaven in a great, great feast. But we are also reminded that you paid a great price. 
And so, Father, I pray right now that you would come into this place and into every home that's listening right now. I ask, Father, that you would inhabit the elements, Lord. We believe you are present in these things, Lord. And I pray, Father, that the Spirit of the living God would minister to every need, to everyone who needs a new hope, who needs uh, a new salvation, who needs a new thing done in their life, Father, that you would do that in these things. And so we ask, Father, in the name of the Son, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we give thanks, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Reminded that on the night the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you do this, remember. Remember the price I paid for your life. After supper, he took the cup, and when he had again given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you. Whenever you do this, remember. Remember what I have done for you. Remember the sacrifice and remember that you have life in Christ. The body and blood of Jesus Christ be with us all. Let's eat together. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. Let us eat. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you, and be thankful. Let us drink. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for these elements. Thank you for the gift that they represent. Thank you for life in Christ. Thank you for Eucharist. We give thanks. We pray now that you would bless us, Father, not that we might um, heap it upon ourselves, Father, but that we might bless others to your glory and to your honor. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.